You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome to the one-on-one football podcast. My name is Andrew Rains, CEO and founder of one-on-one football. Again, as usual, joined by my co-host, Harry Simington. Welcome, Harry. Thanks, mate. Yep, back on the podcast. It's been a little bit, a uh, little bit of time in between the the past couple. We've been very busy here at the uh, here at the business, but um, yeah, good to be back. And it's uh, it's finals fever at the moment, Rainsy. Where uh, I'm in Melbourne, you'll be down in Melbourne for the for the grand final. It's uh, it's an exciting time of year. It's exciting, mate. And yeah, apologies to our our loyal uh, podcast listeners. Um, we've both been really busy. Harry's been up here and been doing a, a lot of. Um, shooting for for our footy iq membership and uh and i've been actually down to melbourne recently working with a, a school down there that we've um we've taken over their football program so visiting getting out and about in uh in in melbourne's always good and so a lot of travel a lot of planning with the business side of things so apologies uh for the uh for the podcast episode um not being a, a sort of a weekly what do we usually do fortnightly we try we try and do yep. sort of every two two or three weeks so but obviously coming into grand final week and um it's 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 a great time to have a chat and we've got a couple of sort of key uh things we want to touch on today but um yeah what's it like down there at the moment mate in, in melbourne the the vibe starting to starting to build prelim this week yeah. as we record but um moving into the grand final week yeah it's awesome there's a there's a real buzz around the place and i think um growing up in queensland myself I'm, i really notice it down here so uh, for anyone who's interstate from melbourne i'd i'd really encourage you to get down to melbourne even just for a couple of days during um during you know grand final week or even the um, the prelim weeks it's um it's unbelievable and um Rainsy, before we get stuck into the the main topic every week we seem to sit here and say that was the best game of the, of the year that was the best game of the year it happens nearly every week at the moment um i'm gonna put you on the spot what has been your favorite game this year to watch um there's a couple i thought Oh, anything with Collingwood in it at the moment's a cliffhanger, yeah. isn't it? It's it's a it's been a, a really good one. I, I didn't actually get to see it at live and um at a, a sort of a, a pre planned uh, birthday party was actually at but the Collingwood and um Geelong game looked unbelievable. Mm. That was I think as a whole that first week of finals was incredible. Um the Carlton Collingwood one was was, you know, sort of a, a nail bite of that last yeah. round of the series. But um the Geelong and Richmond game was, was fantastic too, um earlier in the year when obviously it was Going for Richmond, but um, yeah, Geelong um, uh, picked them over the line. And sort of the MCG it was a massive. One. I was hoping they'd f- they'd face off in the finals those two teams, but mm. um, yeah, that, that yeah, just some incredible games this year. What, what about yourself? Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I was um, I was actually at that game that that Collingwood Geelong final in week one. It was unbelievable. Like I think um, we were right behind Jeremy Cameron's drop punt from the boundary, so we had a really good angle on that one. It was um, it was unbelievable. So uh, I think that's probably my favorite as well maybe even the Collingwood Essendon game where Jamie Elliott kicked the kicked that goal after the incredible. side incredible no it's uh, been it's been a um, unbelievable a great year and hopefully can finish off on the same note yeah definitely and um so looking forward to the prelims this week we're gonna um just do a little uh we haven't been that successful picking the uh picking the game no, so far Ainsley, but we're gonna try again this week so um Geelong Brisbane tonight um at the MCG who have you got Ramsey uh <sighs> I did this with Melbourne. I got asked a question. I think I was um, I was presenting somewhere at the local Palm Beach football club club down the road, and and uh, they asked me, and they said, um, Mel, it was actually right on game. I think the ball was about to bounce. I said Melbourne, Brisbane. I said, I oh, look, my my head says Melbourne, but my heart's saying Brisbane. So 
yeah, it's the same thing this week. <laughs> Geelong, <laughs> it's hard. How do you tip against them? I think the week off, yeah. um, you can look at it either way. Will they be a bit sluggish coming out, or will they be sort of ready to go, nice and fresh? And Brisbane, can they, you know, lift that second half? They they were tremendous last week. Can they um, can they continue mm. that form? So I'm going to say head and heart again. So head Geelong, heart Brisbane, but you'd, yep. you'd probably think um, Geelong. Um, yeah, yeah. A victory. It's interesting. Brisbane played really well last last week with. Um, without Joe Danaher, yeah. a bit of a smaller forward line. They, I think the stats, I remember looking at the stats, in the past two times they played Melbourne, they targeted Charlie Cameron twice in two games inside 50. And then this week, uh, sorry, then last week when they played Melbourne in the final and they won, they targeted Charlie Cameron like eight times or something in one game. So mm. I don't know if that smaller forward line works for them, yeah. especially against Geelong's tools. Like you, don't, you almost don't want to kick long and tall into Geelong's back line. No, exactly. So maybe, I mean, they've brought Joe Danaher back in, but it'll be interesting to see how that, see. that yeah. lines up. What about you, Geelong, Brisbane? Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah Geelong. I can't, yeah, a bit of a boring one, but yeah, just kind yeah. of passing the two complete. Yeah. Um, too much of a complete side. And then Sydney Collingwood on Saturday night down the SCG. I think I know the answer you're going to say. Um, I'm going to go Sydney. Um <laughs> I just love the way they're playing. I mean, I love the way Conway were playing. So I think they're the two most exciting teams at the moment, especially where they've come from. Um, yep. So, yeah, but I'm going to have to say, Sydney, I think they matched up well against them last time. I think that'll give them really mm. good confidence and obviously the home ground advantage at the SCG. Sometimes they used to play those finals out at, um, I think it used to be called ANZ or whatever, out at Homebush, and they were the, yep. the big the Olympic <laughs> Stadium and used to play out there. But um, I think uh, I think at the SCG, they'll, they'll, they'll run over. Collingwood and, and set themselves up for another grand final. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think because we ha- had this game at this location so recently, it's easy to say that the same thing will happen again. But I look at the two different teams and I think Sydney are just, I'd assume, just going to play the same brand of footy. But Collingwood are the team, they're going to have to change something. They're not going to go there and play the same way. So I almost see like Collingwood going at it with um, much less pressure like, no one expects them to win almost because of what happened last time. So, uh, like, maybe for that reason, Collingwood mm-hmm. are going to try more things. They're going to play a completely different game. And if Sydney come out and play the the same way, yeah. But Collingwood have changed, then maybe that's maybe it's a bit closer. And I just hope it's a bit of a bit of a closer game so that. Um, I think it should be. Yeah, I think it should be a really close game. Fun. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's um two excellent prelims, and this podcast is going to come out after those games. So you'll probably be uh. The listeners will be judging what we say now. Yeah, anyway, not a, uh, not, not a bad way to do it, actually. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so the the main topic for today's podcast, guys, we're going to uh, discuss tagging. There's been some um, current events where it's been um, very forefront of mind, and and obviously, um, rainsy has been on both ends of of a tag um, in, in, in at the highest level. So, um, Rainsy, for a bit of context before we get stuck in the questions, what was your um, what was your career like? Um, uh, tagging and also being tagged and um and 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 what are some of the things that you learned from that yeah so early days um in my junior career to get tagged i think i was tagged at sort of 10 12 years of age which is ridiculous <laughs> so i was actually on the receiving end and even in the afl when i had a really successful couple of years at richmond i was getting playing off half back and getting um a defensive half forward on me and pushing me to the goal square so i used yep. to do my head in a bit and trying to find ways to sort of um combat that um, and then uh, when I was at the crossroads of my career a bit and went to Brisbane, I had to find a way to change my game and I became a tagger, run with player, um, and was fairly successful over a, sort of a four or five-year period there. I don't think 
some would remember me as a target, but some wouldn't. I've seen the sort of recent articles come out about um, you know Cameron Lings and Brady Rawlings, and so they're yep. actually known targets. Um, yep. uh, Kane Corns, players like this, Crowley, Ryan Crowley. Um, so yeah, sort of established myself with a bit of reputation to be able to to be able to do that job and played on some incredible players like Gary Ablett, and um, we used to have some really good duels and pretty much mm. name any sort of um, uh, recent. Uh, champion midfield and I reckon I've played on so a fair bit of experience in that field and, and what, what comes with that is challenges be able to sort of identify the type of player you, you, you're tagging each week and um, yep. um, that's sort of um, yeah but being my sort of specialty or expertise in that back end of my career to be able to do that yeah, and there's a lot of coaching decisions that go around a, a tag as well, which is something we're gonna we're gonna dive into shortly. But um, so some of the the recent tags that have that have made the news, obviously, um, Lockie Neal didn't get tagged against Richmond. He had 39 touches. That was the Richmond no tag policy. Um, what are your thoughts on the on the no tag policy at the Tigers, mate? Oh, I don't like it. I think, but that's again bias, bit of bias. I like, I, I, yep. I just like good matchups, and I think a bit of the old school sort of thing. It doesn't need some don't necessarily. I would actually, if I was coach, I'd go with three or four critical matchups. Now you could argue that forwards are tagged every week because they always get a. Yeah. I think Nick Ree, what we say this year, well, yeah, we we I get tagged every week. We used to because you get the best centre half back or best full back on him. So. Um, I think I, I was I would be a coach to go three four key matchups and whether that's a real hard lockdown one or whether that's a bit of a run with or whether that's you know, as you said a, a sort of a if you were playing on a, a Charlie Cameron or something you want to put a good um, sort of defender I know actually Brisbane and up the other end with with Starsevich they they take they put him on mm. a a really good um, small forward each week so they're the sort of matchups I, I would oversee and then when it comes to tagging I, I think the the Richmond decision to not tag Neil. Um, I can see why they do, they they don't do it, and maybe I can explain why to our listeners now. And that's that's because they've got a whole team system, Richmond, and, and sorry, every team to be honest, they've got a, a team philosophy or team system where if one player's too uh, locked down or too, or got their their focuses on solely on one player, it can break down team defence. So they're running. Mm. I used to get in a bit of trouble off Fossey and. Brisbane days when I would when I'd probably just run around and, and make sure that I was locking down my opponent in team defense where I had to trust my teammates to be able to do the job while I was involved yep. in team defense and then find the opportunity to lock back down on him so there's ways around it but I understand why Richmond don't do it um so <coughs> sorry excuse me um the decision not to be able to do that I think they may have put someone on him the back end of that game but it was too late Mm. And Lockie Neal's that top player. He's very hard to tag. So maybe they did identify um, that to, to not go with him. But I definitely would have um, definitely would have tagged him. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one as well because I, I think it's. I reckon I completely agree. Like if you go if you have a team defense and one person's doing a different role, then it breaks it down. But the there's, there might be a point where just there's a critical moment in the game and something needs to change. And if you've paraded as a team that doesn't tag then you might be hesitant to make the mm-hmm. right call if that's what this desperate situation needs. So like, I, like it's an interesting one, but I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't say that there's never a situation to do it and make a policy around yeah. it if that sort of makes but sense. But even if you had someone playing on him and you go, okay, we'll keep Neil to 25. I know the days I used to play on Gaz. I, it was sleepless nights and nights before I played on yeah. Gary because <laughs> he was having, like that was when he was in his Brownlow form too. He was having like not just 30 touches. He was having 45, 44 touches yeah. and kicking four or five, like yeah. three to five, four or five goals, which is an incredible game. So my job was to um, nullify his influence 
a not to kick goals because I reckon a goal's worth. Um, my coach um, at Richmond, Terry Walsh, used to say this: a goal's worth five or six stats. So if you have yeah. twenty touches and kick um, two, it's you've had thirty. I reckon that's it's yeah. not a bad it's not, it's not a bad way to put it. So if you put that into calculation with Gary, that's an incredible game. So my job was to stop his goals, um, just and his forward fifty sort of entries and and his forward yep. half game, and keep him trying to get cheapies down the back end and. If he'd not notch up twenty five to thirty with no goals, I'd, I'd do a reasonable job. But yeah. he's in a bit of an exception because you know he's always going to get the footy. But if you can keep someone locking like near to twenty or early twenties, and and that tag, <clears throat> the tagger actually gets twenty or twenty one himself. Be like what Wink will lead on to. Surely what Jared Berry did last week. Um, I, th- I think that's that's the way you got to sort of approach it. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think Tagus can run around and get sort of five, six touches. They've got to be able to win the footy himself. So that's just that fine line. Totally, yeah. I mean, I mean, Brisbane only won by a couple of points, and it's easy for us to sit here and say the tag was the reason why. But if they did tag him and their defence broke down, they might have lost by ten goals. Correct. So, so who knows? It's hard to really, it's yeah. hard to hard to pinpoint one thing as the as the outcome. But as you alluded to, we're going to uh, discuss Jared Berry now. So um, that was an effective tag. We, I'd, I'd, I'd say Ramsey mm. on uh, Clayton Oliver, where. Uh, Brisbane got over the line, and obviously there was a bit of a scuffle with the uh, with the eye gouge incident and, and whatnot. But um, what did you like from uh, Jared Barry's game on on Oliver? Oh, I just liked how how he won the footy himself. I think yeah, did he have twenty three or twenty? Yeah, it was it was right the, up there. Yeah, in the, he had a, twenty in the last half, and he had twenty six of the game. He had six to half time, and it was a great move. I, I thought it was fantastic. Clayton Oliver yeah. is a star player, but he's actually been able to. I've seen J- even James Ash, who's who's probably. Not the body shape to be able to play on it. On Oliver, actually, he's done a, a couple of good jobs on him this year too. So um, they must have identified that um, and 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 said, well, he's taggable and he was obviously having a fair impact on the game. I thought it was a great matchup, and he, he beat him to the ball a few times. And that's yeah. what I was saying before. If you're going to implement a tag, he's actually got to go sort of the old school sentiment on sentiment or ruck rover on ruck rover and just play and and, and beat him because if you, it's an old saying, if you've got the ball, they don't. So yeah. if Jared Berry's winning the footy, well, Clayton Oliver doesn't have it. So yeah, um, yeah. he won it more times than him, and I thought he did a superb job. It was just that really good balance of being able to, um, you know, sort of limit his, his ability to be able to impact the game and then obviously win it himself. So, yeah, job uh, kudos to uh, to Jared Berry. It's a fantastic job. So you spoke about um, matchups a little bit earlier, how you like to see good matchups. Is there a situation where you'd, where you'd um, make, you know, a Nat Fife and a... And a Clayton Oliver go head to head for that exact reason that you think your player is better at winning the football. Is that another option um, instead of a tag? Potentially, yeah. You could have a, a look, and I think we could get onto it shortly um, in, a, in our show notes on sort of how to, how to identify that. So I don't want to ruin too yeah. much in that, but um, yeah, we could. It's, it's definitely an a sort of an eye, sort of a identifying the, the key matchup or the role in there, and, and if you've got a really good matchup, you know, go with it. I think that's a, a superb thing to be able to do. Yeah, definitely. And and in big games, in, in big finals, do you think it's um, there should be more emphasis or less emphasis on a tag, or is it just um, across the board? Well, I think, but and hence why we sort of um, we thought it'd be good to slot this subject into our podcast around um, around finals footy. And I think it's a it's I think I'm seeing a fair bit of it during the finals. So you got you had Barry on um, Oliver. I think um, the week before, and so I love the way Sydney go about it. They've got three or four matchups that they mm. usually do. I think. Um, it was the role of Callum Mills. See, that's another another good. You could say he wasn't tagging him because he won his own footy. Callum Mills played on um, Oliver, was it? Yep. I think he, I think uh, he played. Yeah, I think he played on him. 
yeah, and was yeah. able to get off him. So it was just a matchup. Mm. But I don't think it was an actual legitimate lockdown tag. Um, but I saw that matchup. I'm like, so maybe we've got to get around the word tag or, or actually um, change the meaning of it because yeah. you could argue he was tagging him. So tag would mean someone just sort of touching and following mm. and all that sort of stuff. And he did. He, he matched up on him brilliantly. And I think um, Sydney do those those roles really well. And they always have. And they've got. And that's why I love their culture. They've got a, a sort of an offense defense um, non negotiables. The way they sort of go about it. And, um, mm. Seeing some really good matchups um, through finals on on sort of the, the tagging, so um, looking forward to sort of seeing what um, Geelong do uh, with Brisbane. I think oh no, I think I saw an article during the week. Scott will um, will probably put someone on on uh, on uh, Neil, no doubt. So yep. uh, we're going to see it again. So yeah, I think it's big games. Get your matchups right. Whether that's again take that word at tagging, whether that's at run with, whether that's at Mm. I just like to call them matchups. Get you three or four critical matchups, and nail yeah. them. If you nail those matchups, I guarantee you're going to be um, a big chance to win the game. Yeah, definitely, and, and take that um, that key player out of the out of the contest, or at least reduce their their impact on the game. So, Rainsy, now talking about the players that are suited to this role of negating another person's um, another player's influence on the game. Um, what makes an effective tagger from a physical, mental, and skillful um, side of things as well? Yeah, so the breakdown of a really effective tagger, physically got to be able to run, um, no doubt be able to keep up with the player, yep. be able to sort of spread. And it all depends on the top player you're playing on. But again, most AFL players um, have to be able to run. But I think that the run with role, you've got to have an elite tank um, and an ability to be able to not just run um for long distances actually you know change of change of um speed because most of the um most of the players i play on are probably the match winners of the game and most match winners have got a, a fair bit of leg speed so being able to sort of um you know have a good mix and balance of those um i, I know when i was um i was an okay endurance runner I had more speed probably early days but before my sort of knee injuries and that kicked in and i had to really work on my tank at the back end of my career or the middle part of my career and i, I put a lot of hours in and extras into my running and things like that and, and was able to sort of get in that sort of elite group with with my game day running um so that that's a big one to be able to focus on having a really good um you know running capabilities on um, the mental side you've, you've got to be a competitor i think you've got to have that great grunt um you've got to have a lot of aggression um to be able to to, to be able to do that role you think again i name those players um champions of the past of, of the known as taggers your lings um you know rawlings uh corns mm. Um, who we say Crowley um, they've all got that sort of competitiveness and, and a bit of aggression so definitely got to have that um, can't shirk an issue you've got to be on the front foot you've got to be really antagonising I think that's the other mm. one too to get in their face and, and be able to be a real presence out there so that's probably the mental side and the skillful side again this doesn't get talked about a lot with tags but you got actually got a yeah. high footy IQ you've got to be really really you got to read the play you've got to know how to body up you've got to know where the ball is you've got to know where your player is and you could probably argue um, the taggers may not be the best decision makers with ball in hand um, in their side um, but Conversely, in, in defence or in the contest, I argue they probably are the best decision-making um, yeah. players. So knowing when to go and when knowing to when stay to go, when to stay, knowing where the ball is, knowing when to you know sort of man up hard, knowing when to sort of shift your opponent under the ball, push them away, going to win it. So you've got to be able to read it. Um, and I've seen some players, but and this is no disrespect to players that have been at any level. I've just seen it. Give that guy a job, you know. He, he's a you know he's a tough, combative player, but absolutely got no idea how to sort of body up or or, um, yeah. or read the play and take that player out. So um, from a skill point of view, being able to um, 
to be able to um you know sort of yeah read the play and, and be able to know know um where the ball is where the player is at any given time yeah and if you are playing on the best player in the comp or the best player in the team i'm assuming you're going to learn more about positioning and 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 how and and that decision making in offense just from watching the best players go about it like do you think well from your experience did you find that your um, footy IQ and your um, your offense improved from playing on people like Gary Ablett and just like noticing when he goes, when he stays, yeah. all his little little habits. They lead to the contest fair bit. I was a player that actually used to sort of thrive on having a starting point, so I think it suited yep. me. And that's where when I played in my roles down back early days at Richmond, I used to like having a role, and then and they used to get me in the game to sort of go and and yep. and use my offensive weapons from there. But um, I think that uh, you sort of. Yeah, you get led to the footy a fair bit, and and you sort of start to go, okay, well, yeah, this is this is how the best midfielders play. This is what I sort of got to do. So the other one yep. too is, and again, this I'll go back to Sydney again. Sydney um, have been known, um, and I've spoken to people at the club years ago when I when I sort of came across the experience of myself. Um, I was actually playing a full game uh, for Brisbane at the time. I was out of the side at uh, last year there at Brisbane, and um, had Jake Lloyd, who's now won two BNFs oh, yeah. at at Sydney and he was um we're playing Sydney and he was a young kid at the time and I think I ran off the ground and he was tagging me he did a reasonable job I mean I made him earn every cent because I was actually still tagging there but I was just playing Neef I just said go out and play and yeah, I yeah. actually got tagged um <laughs> so he he actually tagged me and, and again had a really good match up um and I walked over this kid's going to be okay he actually he didn't give up and he, he played his role and lots of stuff I ran off the ground I think I ran to Nick Davis who was the runner at the time and I had a good relationship with Nick and went to Ireland with him in 2006 and I said mate thanks for helping me out I'm getting older you don't, didn't have to sort of tag me today like because <laughs> I knew it was a, as a plan and he goes that's what we do he said we give our young guys a challenge to each in, in the reserves um, and then even the AFL when they come up and play we give each young player a challenge and try and pick the most experienced player on, on a side in the twos to be able to play on and it builds their footy IQ back to us it, it makes them run and find the football and it gives them a job and I I totally commend that that's why I reckon their football program is fantastic and I could probably name some other clubs that probably don't do that um, and that's you know, purely based on um, building that sort of you know earning your stripes and, and being able to play on, on yeah. good players that's oh, what a, there, um, isn't yeah that's awesome I, I really like that of, of, of teaching a player or you know putting the player in a situation to learn by putting them on the best the player. best player, almost experienced mm. player they have. That's that's awesome. I think um, I might skip ahead to the to, to the players section, Randy, because that's a really nice segue. I remember, um, for example, Tuke Miller used to do a lot of tagging. Yeah, well, the there's Suns. another one. The, yeah, and now he's now he's a star. You yeah. mentioned Jake Lloyd. So like, is that becoming more of a theme? Like, do you think the, the Starsevichs of the world might end up becoming a, a, a go to mid, or is that a is that a trend? That well, you, I think, that you well, see maybe not, more? but if you lose that example, Starswish, I think he's more that sort of lockdown for, but there's that, um, uh, is it Devin Robertson? I think they're trying to mould him into yep. it. He does yep. some run with roles, but he, I think he's a he's got some attributes to be a really good midfielder. So, 100%, I think that's the, the role for a young player to be able to come in and play because they're the best player at junior football in the under-18s and they come into an AFL yeah. team. They're like, well, how am I going to get a consistent game? I'm playing, use Brisbane for the example. I'm, I've got Lockie Neal and Zorko and these top and McCluggage to try and break into midfield. How do I actually break into the team? So, I've probably got to do a role which will give me an opportunity to play and then once I've got my confidence and ready to go, I can, um, you know, I can sort of play there full time. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, what's your mentality like when the coach first comes to you and and, and asks you to, to to play a role like a tag? 
Um, I've heard people joke around saying that they don't want to do they don't they don't want to do an effective tag because they'll have to play it again next week and become a tagger. Like, what's the <laughs> what's the mentality? Funny of- you say that. I think it, it, I think at the back end of um, my career, I became really good at it, and it actually was um, a bit of what do you call it? like an, a, a, um, uh, you, you do yeah do the right thing, and then it, it, as you said, it sort of backfires a bit. It's I became actually pigeonholed a bit, so then. We'd yeah. come up against opposition sides and wasn't a taggable player, and then I would, you know, be on the cusp of missing selection. It, it re- used to annoy me a bit because clearly, as a dra- not someone doesn't get drafted as a as a tagger, as a tagger, yeah, they yeah. become a tagger. So um, you get drafted as a talent of football on your own merit. So I think um, I think that used to annoy me a bit, but at the same time, too, yeah, it's spot on, mate. I think I actually early days had that sort of mindset. I was like, well, I don't want to be sort of tag I want to go and play my own game but if you get well rewarded and you know it keeps your spot on the side and, and all that sort of stuff I think it's it's well worth doing but yeah you're right you do go through a bit of that mindset being able to sacrifice your own game and I, it's a bit of a I, I talk about this a bit I think there's only even though you might not be tagging um, just with the whole structures and everything in the game might, like wingers play such an important role these days yeah. in, in the structure of a side half forwards do um, and then obviously def- defenders well. always got a man so I, I, I've said this a fair bit recently. I think there's only three or four players in every side, in any AFL side, that just can go out and play. So obviously at Richmond, yeah. um, obviously Dusty's the analogy. Like he can just go out and play. He doesn't have to really worry about... Like he man, he'll have to man up, but he just goes... He can just be backed mm-hmm. out, backed by the team to go out and play. But there's only one or two of those. You might have, yeah, and then you might have one of those key forwards, um, Lynch or on Richmond now or Rewalt that can just go and fly for their marks and play like yeah. they, you know, sort of obviously they've got roles and everyone's got expectations. But other than that, outside of that, they're the star players. They just get to go out and play. And then I reckon there's 15 to 16 other players in the in a AFL side that have got like a legitimate role that they've got to um, be able to play. And it sort of, it goes against their natural instincts, if that sort of makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so would your advice to a young player who's just been um, asked to tag, would your advice be do your very best because you're going to have a role. The odds are you're going to be in one of those 90% of players that, that has a role anyway. So it's not that it's not that different. Is that your advice to, to a player? Yeah, so, so everyone's got a role to play. Um, again, if you get back to the tagging word, well, yours is probably a bit more concentrated. Um, yep. But, um, you know, sort of if I was a coach, being so, you know, do this role really well and you get the opportunity to keep your spot. I'd be looking to progress them again. I think um, you don't want to pigeonhole them. So if you go, you know, do these roles really well, you get an opportunity to be able to play in the midfield moving forward. So um, that that's sort of the attitude I'd, I, I would have. Yeah, so there's probably a bit of, um, I guess, responsibility on the coaches as well not to not to let it become a, a pigeonholing situation. And, and that Sydney Swans mentality of, you know, where we're teaching this kid how to... Um, you know how to how to learn from the very best players, but I guess yeah. taking some responsibility to allow them to progress their game as well. Um, which is again a really nice segue into <laughs> our coach um, our coach section. Um, so the I guess the the decision to to tag or not is obviously with the coaches, and um, that's a that's a big decision. It can have a lot of um, a lot of impact on the game. But when there's multiple star players or players that have a really really big impact, maybe forward of center. How do you go about that decision making of of choosing which one to to tag if you are going with? Them? It's a really good question, mate. And I actually agree with um, with the conundrum or the you know, sort of the the ability to be able to think through um, which player you know should should get sat on each week. Um, from my own experience, and I used to really like this from um, 
certain coaches. Sometimes I used to feel like as a tagger to go, and I have actually got, gone in and done done this before, is to go in and go, if I'm the tagger, I want to play on this player. All right, so I'll give, oh, you, okay. I'll give you a really good example. So there was Richmond. Um, I was playing against my old side, against Richmond, and a good, really good mate of mine and a, um, a, a, a guy that's been on this podcast for, Brett Deledio. I don't know if we touched on this on our podcast. I might have no, I briefly, but I went into Vossi's office when he was coaching business. Said, "I want leads. I want, he's my, one of my good mates, and I want to play him because I know I can just shut him down. He hates getting Unreal. tagged." Or Cochin. Now Cochin was in his Brownlow form, and Cochin was similar to sort of Ablett in the in the Ablett mold at the time. He was yep. getting heaps of probably not kicking the goals, but he was getting a lot of touches. Like he was, you know, running around the back, getting the old Gaz handball, which get him in the game, then he'd get another one. And he used to do that to me, try to get his stats up a bit. And this is not, no disrespect to Koch, and he probably identified this years later. But um, he was starting to get sort of 30, 30, 35 a game. Um, and then Vossi actually listened to me, said, oh, maybe he did in the first week. He said, no, no, we, we really want Koch anyway. Played on Koch and he got... Um, he was getting his stats up, whatever, and then there was, and then Deledio started running him up, and just started getting mm. the ball off half back. Then went to half forward. He's probably just he was one of those star players who could do what he Which wanted, wanted to. More impact on the scoreboard. He was impacting the scoreboards, and Vossi sort of identified that. And then so what they did the next game, we played goes leads as your, Brett's yours, um, and so I went on, and so the the my mindset around that was, I knew because Brett was more of an outside player. If when you when you're an outside player. They're a lot easier to tag. Now, they can get you on the run. He's got brilliant speed and run. And Stephen yep. Hill, I used to play on um, Fremantle on his day too. It's just um, Tom Scully was another player. Not their number one player, but their number one outside player who'd set up a lot of chains and goals. So then I used to play on these players and c- keep them to, instead of a Cochin or a Fife or, or the star inside mid, inside or outside mid, keeping them. They're always going to get 25, 30 touches before similar Gaz. So they're always going to get 25, 30 touches. Let's put someone who's accountable on him, like another good one of our midfielders can just play on him and try and limit his game a bit, but he's, he's going to go out and play really well. More of a match up. Yeah, so, but if you put him on, as I said before, on Delidio or uh, Stephen Hill or Scully, I'm just naming the players that I played on outside, outside players, and I could keep them to 10 to 12 touches for the whole game. So, so therefore, there's a huge win. So, Koch is going to go and get 25-30. Mm. So, we can limit, as a team, his influence. But we're going to keep Leeds. Instead of Leeds having 25 and kicking two or three and setting up 10, we've actually yeah. kept him to 10 or 12, and he's only set up one or two. So, as a coach, I used to, sorry, as a player, have that sort of mindset about who were the ones that I could really get a hold of. And then I think it's having the conversation with the tag, tagger, if they're experienced tagger or run with player, and the coach mm-hmm. to be able to identify who are the dangerous players. Now, if you look at the current day, Mullen, we spoke about him before, Lockie Neal, he's probably just a given just to play on Neal and see if he can mm. lock him down. But um, yeah, I, I used to like that one. And it's, I think it's a really good discussion to be able to have um, the coaches listening to this to, to be able to identify who's that who's that outside player or who's that player that really gets a run and drive going that we can sort of tag and lock him away. And you know that if you can lock him away, you've locked him away. And he's yeah. nearly had no impact on the game. Where these champion star inside sort of those number one mids are always going to have some sort of impact on the game. Totally, yeah. And I was um I was thinking about this before. It it doesn't necessarily have to be the person that's having well in, in my mind. I've obviously not experienced AFL coach, but I, I would think it doesn't necessarily have to be the person who's winning the ball the most, unless contested ball is the reason why you're going to lose the game. Mm. So it might also be, for example, if you want to dismantle Collingwood's. Um, this year, Collingwood's um, like slingshot offense. 
do what Sydney did a couple of weeks ago mm. and tag Nick Dacos, and all of a sudden, bang, you've dismantled that whole part of their that's game. What, which yeah, is, that's what I'm saying. Or do you put him on, so, put someone on Dugowie, but you know Dugowie can go forward. He's going to mix and match exactly. and match up. Then you've got to follow him forward, and that sh- throws at your structures. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and But on the flip side as well, like if but that would be... so. If Sydney come to the game and they say, well, the reason why Collingwood, the only reason why Collingwood are going to get over us in this game if they do is their slingshot. slingshot Yeah, we'll identify it. So then identify that and then find out the key player. It might be intercept marking. Stephen Mm. May is going to dominate us in the air. So we need to put a defensive forward. Forward on him, yeah. So, so do you think it's more based around... Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be a, a part of the whole team plan. Yep, absolutely. I think identifying how they're going to beat you and then putting things around that to be able to combat it. So um, that's a good point. Fantastic. And um, you mentioned um, Devin Robinson before. Um, we've spoken about a few others as well. Do you have a favorite tag or a, or, a, or someone, Callum Mills, these, these types of guys? Who do you respect the most in the competition and plays a really good role? Um, you put me a bit on the spot. They haven't really thought. They, and again, I, I think the game's changed. I don't think they're known taggers. They might tag every three or four yeah. weeks and match up. I know, um, mate, I really like Barry. The recently he's done a couple of little yep. roles and... He's um he's that sort of tough combative mid. Um, there's uh, Callum Mills has done a few jobs again, not probably a tagger as such, but he's had a fantastic year. He can play those sort of jobs and, and do that role. Um, I'm been enjoying the because again I always play a similar role there back. Um, the Maynards and Starts of issues of the, of the yeah, world. I think yeah. they've been incredible in their roles and 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 they're getting getting some counterpunch off the back line too. And I love that style of play. It's a way to try and mould my game and, and play so I've been enjoying mm. them taking out a key forward or a, a small medium sized forward and then being able to counter punch the other way so a couple of those sort of tough players I've, I've enjoyed watching this year yeah yeah I think the role is really really evolving um, like you mentioned before it's sort of it's, it's gone away from just being a tagger there's now it's now a, a development opportunity and um, and also opportunities to win your own ball as well so it's um yeah interesting to see how it's sort of how it's being used in today's game and you know we've got three games left in the season and who knows? There might be a um, a big big tagging story mm. in, in in one of those games as well. Don't um, think a tag is ever going to win a Norm Smith, though, unfortunately, mate. But they no. might they might win a. They reckon they they win a best and fairer, so that's a yeah. So get um, coaches coaches votes or, or, or at the very yeah. least um plenty of value within the uh, within the team now. Renzi, back to one on one football. So we've um, as we mentioned right at the top where we've been uh, been. Very busy creating a lot of content, and um, and I think we mentioned last week on the podcast um, that we were launching the Breakfast Club up on um, up in Palm Beach. How's that been uh, been going, mate? We've put some more classes on and expanded that program. Really excited about this one, mate. So we've just um, officially launched. I've been playing a bit of a sort of a pilot program, or playing with a bit of a pilot program previously, just in Palm at Palm Beach in a, a local club, as I sort of explained before. But now we've opened up to other clubs, more on the southern end of the Gold Coast, um, where we've got a membership-based service where you've got classes on a, any given day on the same time um, and and they know the session's on, so they pay for their membership and they can rock up and they know that every day there's a session on. Now, whether that's um, we break down the breakfast club, now it's gone to PM, so we might have to change the name, but we're pretty happy with their names. It was <laughs> I, all... I eat breakfast in the afternoon all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. I eat some cereal. So it's a, it's a, a before, uh, before school sessions um, and then obviously now in afternoons without um, obviously club training. So we, we thought we'd put some afternoon sessions on and we theme them for 40-minute sessions as some rotations and it's on a clock and it's very well structured with some incredible um, you know sort of drills in there. And we, we, theme the, we theme the class, whether it's kicking club, handball club, marking club, 
Um, we do an all-round craft club on a Friday, which is really good. So we kick some goals and, and work in our marking and a, a few other touch elements to the game. And then in the sort of the off days, um, we put on a, a mobility and flexibility class and also a, a speed uh, class. So some really good things that really, you know, gain a holistic approach to your football. And, and as I said, you know that, oh, geez, I should probably get down the park or should organise a kick or whatever. You just know that these sessions are on. So we're really excited about this. We think we can grow it into a, a national model um, with, with our coaches Australia-wide and, um, and a really good, I suppose you'd call it a program or curriculum that we've sort of set up um, sort of similar to the footy IQ drill section where we know that um, a lot of our drills can be sort of passed down across, across the country. So looking forward to growing this and, um, yeah, really excited by it. Yeah, fantastic. We've had some some excellent feedback as well. And uh, if the Breakfast Club is something that interests you, um, to any listeners out there, just um, keep an eye on our social media page. We post a lot of updates on there. And obviously, as we expand into other locations, uh, keep your keep your eyes peeled. That'll uh, be posted on our social media as well. Um, if you are on the Gold Coast, uh, you'll be able to follow the link in the show notes if you want to sign up for Breakfast Club. Um, that's underway and flying. And then Rainsy... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was a few, maybe a month ago. Now, I was up in uh, on the Gold Coast, and we, we we filmed a hell of a lot of content. And we've got um two skills programs coming early October. Um, kicking program and a clean hands program. What's um what's the inspiration for those ones? Yeah, we just we just thought we'd launch in the off season again. We've got uh, services where you can go face to face, and then again small group sessions. Um, but we also know that a lot of people, um, you know, sort of. Could be traveling, could be on holidays, might want to just do sessions on their own or with their mum or dad or, or brother and sister, whoever it is. And we, we thought we'd give them a, a, a proper sort of program they can do in the off-season. So it's an eight-week program, a kicking uh, program and also a clean hands program where we really delve right into the ba- the basics and fundamentals um, of the skill but also to add a... Um, a, uh, a a drill to it um, but these drills are based around sort of having a partner or some you can do on your own but more partners or, or small groups um, and we've broken it down into sort of the fundamentals or the breakdown uh, sorry the broken it down into the into the fundamentals behind the skill so kicking we might be four four or five main elements to, to elements to king so it might be a ball drop okay well, we've got five or six ball drop drills that's going to help you. And then we go, okay, follow through. We've got five or six follow through drills that's going to really specifically target that um, breakdown of the technique in that skill. So um, really excited by that too. Um, the clean hands component, very similar and very structured, um, s- structured similarly to the uh, the kicking program around our philosophy. So um, we, we think they're the two elements too that a lot of people want to work on. We got some feedback and, um, yeah, looking forward to sort of um, getting those out there and, and, and hearing the feedback around it. Yeah, totally. And I guess it's a, it's a resource, a comprehensive resource to, I guess, take the develop, the identification of, um, of uh, improvement areas, take it full circle and, and actually put those um, those those goals or those plans that you might have over the off season to improve a skill, mm. put that into action and and, re- and you know it's a it's a program you can access from your phone. Um, you just press play on the videos. You've got reps and sets. You've got um, advice. And I think something that makes makes these programs unique, Rainsy, and it's something that we we really I guess pride ourselves on is is making sure that we're not just showing you how to do the drill, but we're teaching you why to, why you do the drill and also some of the like coaching points so it's not just a, a, a boring drill video like i think some of them range you go for about three five minutes mm-hmm. where you actually go into detail on how this might be used in a game as well so i think there's some good education benefits from from these programs as well for example if you're if, if you're a coach or if um you know you're on the footy iq membership you can you can definitely get something out of these programs as well um 
very educational and um and arguably the most exciting part, Rainsy. We've got uh, some new one-on-one football Sherrins um, that have just yeah. arrived, and we're starting to send them out to our to our coaches. We've had some comments already uh, with your. There's one red one that you've got up on the Gold Coast that's had a lot of attention. Oh, they just want to, the kids want to pull that ball out all the time, but it's uh, I try and save for our photo, photo shoots, but I might have to uh, open up a few more. So yeah, we've we've got our custom logo on on the Sherrins and got a great relationship with Sherrin and being able to ship up a few footballs and being able to use them um, and then now we're, we're sending them out to our, our, uh, our loyal coaches on the on the um, platform so look out for those in the sessions and yeah it's obviously great branding for us but also too good quality footballs there's nothing better yeah. and, and as we know um, so in our sessions we, we pride ourselves on being a, a sort of a, a service that's a, uh, a really professional service with our professional coaches and with professionalism must come professional equipment and, and, and we've got that um, you know scattered around the country now which is great yeah, absolutely. And um, for those that aren't Footy IQ members yet, um, all of uh, when you become a member, you actually get a discount code for the Sharon website, and you get thirty percent off um, off off their range of footballs. So, um, yeah, if you need some new footies, become a Footy IQ member, and you can get uh, a discount on your Sharons. Um, and then Rainsy, so the, the the final segment before we before we jump off, uh, the VFL Grand Final is uh, this weekend. We got Southport versus Casey. Um, there's a few players in the um, in the Southport team that that you've coached. I think you'd you'd know most of them. Yeah, uh, on I, a personal level. Well, there was a Suns and um, Southport game last week in the prelim, and I went through the list. I think I coached twenty to twenty one players or something on both sides. So I had a vested interest in in both sides, and and um, obviously the Suns, and then actually played a year at Southport in the Southport um, oh, Hall, Hall of Fame, and uh, only played. <laughs> Oregon played three senior games and two two or three reserves games, and I'm in the Hall of Fame there, which I don't know how I got in, but um, <laughs> thanks a lot, the Sharks. It's, uh, it's a privilege and uh, an honour. So um, I'll be going for the Sharks this, this weekend. Yeah, a lot of our, um, our some of our coaches too, our one-on-one football coach. We've got Maxie Spencer here on the Gold Coast. Well, they're all, all on the Gold Coast for that fact because they play for Southport. But Jacob Dawson, um, uh, we've got Zach Foot, who I thought was fantastic last week. I thought he was mm-hmm. best on the ground and should be probably playing at AFL level. Um, and congratulations to those guys. I think Dawes got in the in the team of the year, which was fantastic. Um, the other yeah. night in the VFL awards and and the coaches coaches MVP as well. Coaches MVP. Um, sorry, and missed out of a couple of other co- um, players. We have got Billy Gowers. Just put him on. So apologies, I miss any Sevy Tape, um, Maca Willis. Uh, I think that's yeah, sort of it. So six or seven of the players that are playing. Um, will uh, obviously our one on one coaches. So good luck to the boys. Um, go the Sharks and. Should be a great grand final, actually. So I think um, probably Casey the favourites, but I think um, I think the Sharks can do it. I think they've um, they've got a really good side, and it's a different venue this time when they played each other last time. They played at Casey, but they're going to be playing at Icon Park uh, in Carlton, yeah. Princess Park. So yeah, yeah, and um, mate, obviously you grew up on the Gold Coast, played footy in Melbourne, um, then played AFL back in in Queensland, and now live up there and do a lot of coaching as well. Um, do you think footy in Queensland is in a pretty good place? We had three of the uh, remaining four VFL teams as, uh, as Queensland teams. We had Brisbane, Gold Coast, and, and Southport. Obviously, in a Victorian competition. Mm. Um, what do you what do you like about Queensland footy at the moment? I think it's in a really good place. I think um, it's it's just shown through the academies and the pathway stuff that, that obviously you came through and I was involved in that the players that are sort of staying in Queensland at Southport or um, or even topping up at Brisbane or the Suns. I know there are a lot of AFL listed players, but and obviously a lot of academy players get the opportunity to play there, but just shows you the quality that's coming through. I looked at that side the other day at Southport. A lot of those kids are 
uh, kids, young men are uh, uh, Queenslanders. So I think um, to be able to stay in your home state and be able to play at a, a really high level through the VFL, I think it's a great, uh, great thing to be able to do. And it's just improved the level of football. Um, you don't need to, back in the day when I was coming through, you don't need to go to you know sort of Melbourne or, or Adelaide to join a team. Now you can obviously stay in your home state and play at a, a really high level. So I think um, that's been the improvement of it all. And, and, and again, without being too biased, the pathways and the academy stuff over the last 10 years, having them set up has really helped prepare these these guys. And I always say this, it's not about making AFL football because only a handful get there or you know, very limited um, amount get to the AFL, but it's setting them up to play really good you know, VFL, NEFL back in the day and, and obviously QAFL um, up here in Queensland football. So it's been, um, it's been, been really good. So... Um, hopefully more players to be able to come come out and the VFL too pat on the back too I think it's been um, you know great a great concept this year not too sure about the naming rights I think um, obviously yeah. really uh, Victorian dominant down there I've got my footy both camps being a born born uh, Melbourne boy and and um, and spent a fair bit of time there and obviously live live there I totally understand but from a interstate point of view I think they get a bit annoyed that it's still called the VFL but hopefully that um, that may change. Yeah, we might end up having a, a national reserves competition, which uh, which would be be great. Sounds but um, good. yeah, I think uh, obviously interstate teams raising the standard obviously just makes the uh, the Victorians do the same. But yeah. um, Renzi, to finish off, um, some news came out about uh, Liam Jones this week. Just wanted to um, shout him out. We just saw Liam this morning um, and did a session. He's involved in our breakfast club, so incredible to have him involved in our program. And he'll be leaving shortly. Unfortunately, he's um yeah he's nominated the Bulldogs and. He's quite excited by getting back into the AFL, and and, and so he does. He deserves to be um, back into it. So, um, yeah, he, he's really excited. Um, hopefully, he gets. I think it, I think it's pretty much a, a pretty straightforward move for him to go to the Bulldogs, and um, yeah, hopefully, get the dogs back up the ladder, and and all the best for Liam. He's um, he's been fantastic up here as a coach, and um, yeah, really great with kids, and hopefully, he'll still keep him involved, um, even as an AFL player when he goes back to Melbourne. Yeah, he's been a ripper and a big part of the platform up on the Gold Coast. That's um that brings us to the, the end of the episode, guys. Thanks for listening. We uh, obviously appreciate having your having your ears for forty five minutes this time. And um yeah, if you if you've got some time, it'd be really um we'd we'd be really grateful if you could uh, leave a review or, or rate the podcast and um, and follow it on whatever platform you're listening to. But um other than that, Randy, any final words? Oh, not really, mate. I just uh, I think we've we've sort of touched on most things and covered everything. I think um. Yeah, good luck to to uh, to everyone out there that's still playing. I think there's still, still some finals going on, and obviously to our yep. AFL and AFLW players, there's still a lot of football going on. So, um, and I know that people are having a bit of a rest out there at the moment, probably after a big footy season. But looking forward to seeing you all back into it um, over the next couple of weeks. Fantastic! Thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at one-on-onefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode.